Uh, hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Color of Changes award-winning Tell Black Stories podcast. My name is Jade Magnus Oganaki. I'm the Senior Director of the Media, Culture, and Economic Justice Team at Color of Change. And we're back with an episode of Tell Black Stories Live with Dr. Rochelle Brooks of Debt Collective LA. And we're here to talk about the United States student loan debt crisis and the work that Debt Collective LA and Dr. Rochelle Brooks specifically have been working on. Um, so, so nice to meet you. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Brooks. Um, I'd like to open up the question by diving into your background and sort of your current work. What led you to linking up with Debt Collective LA? What has sort of your student loan debt journey been like? Absolutely. Thank you, Jade. I'm so happy to be here with you all. Um, and yeah, this is such an important topic. And I'm grateful that we're giving Black women a platform to share our stories and to contextualize our experiences. So just off bat, just thank you for that. Thank um, you. So yeah, as a Black single mama, um, going to school, I graduated from high school in 2005 and went straight to college, graduated, um, bachelor's degree, uh, master's degree, teaching credential, doctorate, um, in 2018, I graduated with my doctorate. And what I found is that at each level, I'm graduating and um, just encountering different obstacles, um, actually more of the same obstacles, right? Still struggling to find employment for that could um, pay me a livable wage in LA. Um, and one of the biggest barriers in that um, was the student loan debt that I was holding. Um, so I became very vocal just about my individual experience and my plans um, with the student loan debt. And as I became more vocal, I realized that so many other Black women, so many other people of color um, ha were having the same experiences as me. They, we were graduating, getting these degrees, um, accum accumulating more debt, um, but not necessarily changing our material conditions, right? Not, not being able to still provide for our families. Um, and collectively, you know, we discovered that this is an institutional failure. Something is going wrong at the bigger level. So that, I've always been a grassroots organizer. Um, honestly, since I was a kid, I've always just been like, why are things this way? Can't we do something about it? But in a formal sense, um, organizing with the Debt Collective, I found out about it. A friend recommended a book to me, Can't Pay, Won't Pay. If you haven't read it, it's a must read. Um, and after reading that, the two the authors of the book are the co-founders of the debt collective national i reached out to them i said we need this in la um we need guidance we need to know the loopholes that the millionaires know about how to avoid these type of things and how they're how they're getting the bailouts like we need to organize as a people on the ground here in la uh, so i reached out to them and got the ball, ball rolling in la and we've been a chapter now since september so yeah, and it's been a beautiful journey. And it, it really, it's just me telling my story, other folks telling their stories and realizing that the, the interconnectedness um, and together collectively is where we make the change. No, that's fantastic. You know, I, I graduated from high school just a couple years after you. And, you know, especially as 
you know, black children growing up in California, growing up in the United States, what you're told is get your education. If you get your education, then everything will change. Everything will be okay for you. You'll be stable for the rest of your life. They can't take your education away from you. And what we've seen is that it's not a coincidence that as black women continue to get degrees at higher rates than any other group, that all of a sudden the jobs just aren't there to meet our educational needs, right? It's totally ridiculous that you have such a, you know, a, a unique and hard to get education and you're struggling to get a job with a living wage. Uh, we know that black voters overwhelmingly support uh, student debt elimination because our communities have always been underserved. And now, you know, especially as we're being hit with the pandemic for the first time, we have sort of a national pause on student loan debt. And people are like, it feels really good to have an extra $300, $400 in my pocket, you know. Um, so often we're hearing about the student loan debt crisis uh, sort of between the students and the adults who took out loans and we're hearing the answer is for, you know, Joe Biden to cancel student loan debt, which, you know, at Color of Change, we are 100% behind. We believe that Joe Biden needs to cancel it all. But, you know, so often the narrative is missing. Who actually is benefiting from all of us having, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars of student loan debt. Who's benefiting from this? Who's profiting uh, from the student loan debt crisis? Right, so yeah, this being a systemic issue, it's all about money, right? Um, higher educational institutions are profiting from students bearing the bill, fronting the bill for education. Um, lenders are profiting, banks are profiting. You know, we see these outrageous um, interest rates for students of color. You don't see that in white communities, right? It literally, it, it's a preying, they're, they're, it's predatory and they're preying on poor people and being poor is expensive. So not only are we having to come out of pocket to pay for college, um, but we're paying more in the long run, right? So it, it's just astoundingly um, predatory. And yeah, banks, higher education institutions, and all of the lenders are all responsible for this. No, absolutely. You know, Color of Change conducted a student loan debt survey, I think in January, the results came out in January. And what we found was that more than half of black voters have or current, like either have paid it off or have had student loan debt. You know, when you're coming from a space when black people, you know, are living in consistently the most disadvantaged material conditions in the country, and we're trying to attain higher education, the funds aren't there for us to go to college. You know, unless you are, you know, a one in a million person who gets a, a full ride to school, you know, there's not a pathway for you. Um, and what you're saying and what I'm hearing is that the student loan debt crisis isn't just, it's not an economic issue, but it's also a racial justice issue at its core. Um, you joined the Biden Jubilee 100 strike. What is the Biden Jubilee 100 strike and what motivated you to sort of like kick off the strike, uh, focusing on targeting Joe Biden and the Biden administration? So what we found out is Joe Biden has the authority with just the signing of a signature to counsel all student loan debt. It doesn't have to be presented to Congress. Mm. It doesn't have to go through the Senate. He has the authority to just sign a signature and counsel it. Um, and we also realized how easy it was because we've been seeing it done for, for banks over the last couple of decades, right? 2008, we saw banks forgiven for debts. A $3 trillion package, we see banks being forgiven and uh, given money, right? So we know that it's possible 
and we know that cancellation, uh, the government knows how to do it. Um, so what the Biden Jubilee 100 is, 100 of us are declaring our inability and unwillingness to pay our student loan debt back. Uh, most of us can't pay, so we're not paying. Um, and we're politicizing that inability to pay, and we're making it clear to Joe Biden that if there is no cancellation, that we will escalate and our tactics, tactics will escalate and we're not going away, we're not disappearing, our numbers will grow and they'll continue to grow. So right now we're 100 declared, in a few weeks we'll be 1,000 and then 10,000, right? So, so we wanna make it clear that um, these conversations are being had um, and the movement is there and um, we're going to stay on it. And that's why I'm a part of the strike um, strikers. I'm striking for me, for myself, for my children, but also for other black women, because I know um, I was at a point in life where I couldn't articulate my experiences, right? I didn't have a name for what I was experiencing. And then I read a couple of books and I was like, oh, misogynoir or, or, oh, this is institutional racism or, right? So there's a lot of people that just don't have the privilege um, and access to these platforms to have conversations with you, Jade, right? <laughs> um, and that's why I'm doing it because their stories need to be told and we need to contextualize it. And Joe Biden needs to hear us and understand that we're all standing together and we're gonna be here until it gets canceled. Dr. Brooks, you lifted up such uh, an important piece of this narrative, right? So often when we hear about student loan debt, I think for some people, you know, the policy is tied very closely to like Bernie Sanders, you know? And so when people think of student loan debt, they think of it as a white issue, right? They think of it as like, this is something that middle-class white people want. Uh, but the truth is that, you know, Black communities are deeply affected by student loan debt. You know, I know so many people who had to drop out of college um, because they could no longer afford to go to school, um, and yet they still owe all this debt, right? And they don't even have any of the benefits of, you know, the so-called benefits of a college degree that can sort of give them a boost in this labor market. Um, you know, have you been talking to Black women about this, and what is sort of their response? Yeah, and so. There's a lot of things that come into play. Um, black women earn, we have the most student loan debt out of everybody, right? We carry the biggest student loan debt of any demographic in the nation, our balance, and, and it keeps increasing, we'll get to that. <laughs> um, but then also we earn 61 cents of every dollar, right? By our white male counterparts. Mm. If you think about that over 40 years, that's nearly a million dollars, right? So we have the most student loans debt, but then we're making a million dollars less than white males. So to think of the student loan crisis as a white issue, um, you're misinformed um, and miseducated. And that is actual anti-blackness and it's violence because you're not hearing us, mm. right? You're not, you're not looking at the data and you're not hearing us. Um, and, and that's what black women are feeling. And you, you're seeing it in the, um, in the discussions, um, the political terrain. Um, you know, as Black women garner respect publicly, um, the conversations that are being had now is that they're, we're, we're putting in this labor, but how are they showing up for us, right? Mm -hmm. How are they showing up for us? Um, and that's what, that's what we're hearing, and that's what we're talking about. Um, 
So just some, a, a couple of more statistics I want to put out there. After 12 years, the typical white male has paid off 44% of his loans, while the typical Black woman has grown 13%. Their loan balance has grown 13%, right? So it's systemic, it's predatory, it's violent, it's intentional violence against Black women in particular. We're already struggling to pay bills, we're struggling to feed our kids, we're wor working multiple jobs that we're overqualified for, Mm. I'm not, I've got a doctorate and I'm teaching in a classroom making $68,000 a year, right? Mm. In LA as a single mom, you, you can put two and two together, right? It's not a livable wage, but it's what I have to do because what other options are there? And, and we're still showing up. I'm still showing up for my community. I'm still showing up for the nation. Um, systemic racism, just, it makes it more difficult for us to find employment and, and systemic racism and sexism make it more difficult. And it, it they compound and it's more likely that we're single mothers. Mm -hmm. We're more likely to be the breadwinners of our family while also simultaneously being the homemakers in our family. Mm -hmm. Systemic racism allows barriers to exist that prevent us from having support and community uh, that other women have, right? I can't call my mom. My mom's amazing. I love her to death. Um, but I can't call her and ask her for financial help. I can't call her and ask her for financial support because she was a single mom too. Mm. Uh, and, and so, yeah, these issues just compound. And we're told to go to college. We're told college is the way out. And to be honest, it it's heartbreaking. It makes me sad because no matter how hard we fight, no matter how hard we work, it just feels like the system is is just doubling down against us. Mm. Um, and that's what we're feeling. So in the words of Hayana Presley, save your words for Black women, save your words of appreciation and change the policy. Policy is our love language. Yes, I love that. You know, since the 2016 election, I've seen so many people, more people than ever, praising Black women. Black women are the soul of the nation. Black women saved us from Donald Trump, you know, and that's true, right? And, you know, it's interesting that when we talk about the specific intersections of racism and economic justice, that's sort of when the conversation veers left. You know, it's like, it's all about, yes, let's cheer Black women on when we're voting uh, for Joe Biden and making sure that Donald Trump is out of office. It's like, five stars for us. But when we're talking about, actually, there's something wrong with this labor market. Actually, we need affordable housing. Actually, we need student loan debt elimination. Then all of a sudden, the conversation changes to like, we're asking for too much. Uh, we want a free ride. When the tr truth of the matter is, you know, I was reading an article, uh, by an interview with Robin D.G. Kelly in the LA Times yesterday. And he was saying when he went to college in Long Beach, California, you know, it was affordable. And he said, because school was so affordable, you saw so many more black students there. You saw so much more black thought, black programs, black studies programs really blooming because at one time college was affordable. And it's no mistake that as, as you know, college uh, prices increase at a premium, um, that happens at the same time as black students are going to college more than ever before. Um, you know, we did a poll, as I said, in January, and we really saw one of the most interesting findings to me was that almost 50% of black voters said, we will not vote for a candidate who does not support student loan debt elimination. Um, what is the fault of the Biden-Harris administration in this? What is, the, what is the call to action that we should be asking the Biden-Harris administration for? You said earlier that Joe Biden could do it with the stroke of a pen. What's stopping him and how can we move him forward? 
I don't know what's stopping Joe Biden because this is what it would take for an economic um, to assist the economy through this crisis, mm. right? We'll be able to provide for our communities because we're saving three, just like you said, we're saving three, $400 a month that we can be spending in our communities, right? We're, we're giving, we're putting money in the pockets of the people who need it. So when mm -hmm. people say what's stopping Joe Biden, I can't answer that question aside from Joe Biden just doesn't want to do this for the people. Um, and we're not going to stop. We're going to keep pushing and we're going to keep urging and we're going to keep contextualizing our experiences. I, mm -hmm. One of the things that I also think is Kamala Harris and Joe Biden and folks um, making decisions are so out of touch with real people mm -hmm. and what we're going through, trying to survive through a failing economy, trying to survive through a national health crisis, through death, 500,000 deaths in America and, and through these racial uprisings, right? And we're gonna, we're, as we tell these stories, we're telling individual stories, but it's a collective story. Mm. And we're going to keep telling it and we're going to keep contextualizing it. And we want them to understand that this is indicative of a broader systemic and institutional issue. These are broader systemic and inst institutional failures on your part, Joe mm. Biden, right? And, um, use use your power now mm -hmm. is the time to do it make a difference in the communities and, and that you say that you believe in and that you say that you support um and like alc recently said we're, we're going to keep applying the political pressure um mm -hmm. and escalating our tactics and amplifying our demands um, until joe biden acts on it you know it's so amazing to hear that from you, Dr. Brooks, because, you know, I think AOC caught a little bit of flack um, uh, this past week because she said we need to mobilize. And, you know, people are like, well, hold on. I elected you. You need to mobilize. Right. But there is definitely it's an undeniable synergy that happens. Right. Like, yes, we would love for elected officials and politicians to do the right thing all the time because it's what we need. You know, that's what we would love. Unfortunately, what we see though is that they do need political pressure. They need pressure from people on the streets. How can we push back? You know, how can you push back if you have student loan debt? How can you push back if you're sort of caught in this never ending spiral uh, of debt? You know, what, what are the ways that we can move? Well, what we're doing, we're striking. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we're, we are not paying the student loan debt. Um, we can't pay it. At one point, my payments were like $700. There is absolutely no way that I can pay that, right? So we're striking, like point blank. That's one way that you can solve it. Um, and as we mobilize, you know, we, we continue, like I said, to contextualize our experiences until they get it. They're going to have to listen to us, especially because we're not paying these loans. So now they're going to be forced to listen to us and reckon with their failures and come up with new systems and come up with college for all and find ways to support the people so that the, the, the entire system doesn't implode. So they're not going to have an option. And as we um, continue to mobilize together and strike and use our collective voice, that will be the answer and they won't have an option. Um, it's so funny you say that college for all, right? Because so often uh, we're hearing a lot about the problem. People aren't seeing the vision that we're working towards, right? Me and myself, I literally just pulled up my student loan debt 
like two weeks ago. And I was like, I've been paying the student loan debt for like six years and I've paid just as much in debt as I have in interest, right? And these are actually federal student loans. I don't have private loans. These are loans that the government lent me, right? So the government is making so much money off my, you know, coming from a low income background and wanting to go to college. Um, what is the vision, right? Like, let's say student loan debt's eliminated. Where are we going? You said college for all. What does that look like for the average young black child coming up right now? What does it look like for them at 18 years old? That, it, that's exactly what it looks like. It looks like college for them. Um, just like we have K through 12 education and it's free mm -hmm. for all students. We provide the same through college. Um, and whatever college that they want to go to, they can apply and they get accepted. And the bill is fronted just like the K through 12 education system. Mm. That's what college for all is. It's not anything new. It's not anything that we have to redesign. In fact, there's other countries that already do it. Um, there have been states that have continued it through um, community college, right? So we know what it takes. We just have to extend it for two more years. Um, and that's what college for all is. But also we, we want, we, we are strategizing to build broader consen consensus of relief um, mm. beyond college for all, right? Because we know that all of these systems are interconnected. Mm -hmm. um, but for now, we are really just mobilizing for once student loan debt is canceled, we do need to um, reimagine what higher education looks like and why we're expecting uh, low-income families to front the bill, pay more, than families that have the money, um, than wealthier and white people. Um, so we, we need to reimagine and make public education free through college. What you said about relief really stood out to me. Um, student loan debt is one piece, right, of this larger, broad picture of the economic injustice that's done to all Americans who aren't the 1%, right? Like student loan debt is a piece of this. You know, at Color of Change, we're talking about a federal job guarantee. What does it look like to have jobs for all? What does it look like to have housing for all? In your perfect relief package, you know, what does that look like for Black women and girls and, and children and Black mothers? What is the American relief package? What do we need? getting chills <laughs> um imagining like liberation and freedom is how i see it because when you meet the needs of people especially black people who have been um preyed upon and enslaved in this nation um it, it looks like freedom and it looks like liberation and having our needs met, right? As a mom, I know I can go to bed at night knowing that my kids are going to have food on the table in the morning mm -hmm. when I wake up. I don't have to work two or three jobs. I can be home with them, making sure that I can uh, raise them and, and feed their souls as a mom, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not working two or three jobs so that I, I can feed myself as a mom. I, I can nourish my own well-being. Um, and, and that's I think that also is a key piece that folks are missing, that when we, we, we are neglected um, basic human rights, um, we have to overcompensate and we have to, we're exchanging our labor, we're exchanging our time and we're expending this energy and we're losing. Mm -hmm. We're losing ourselves, we're losing family. Um, and that's that resonates with me as a mom because I see my kids getting older now, 13 and 11, and I've missed out on so much time because I'm trying to just survive and take care of them. And I really just wish I had 
I could go back and have more time um, and less worry about the basic needs. Um, and I would like food on the table for every family, for every kid, for every black woman, every black child in this country. I would like Medicare for every black woman and black child in this country, right? I would like housing. I've slept in cars before. Me and my kids have slept in shelters. And as, as fortunate as I was to not have to sleep on the street, that's, it's still a failed system. Everybody is deserving of housing. And there's no reason in this nation with this many billionaires that housing, Medicare, food should not be a right. Um, so yeah, those are the basics, just basic human rights, education, food, housing, and medical. No, I love that. I'm a mom too. You see my daughter right there. Her name is Santa. Picture of her. Um, um, and what you said just made me so emotional. She's little now. And and you know what you're saying about your kids being teens and preteens and looking back and being like, where did all the time go? I see that happening now. You know, I see it happening with my own child. You know, there's so many countries that are touted for having these amazing social services. You know, the Nordic countries are a model, right? People often talk about. Finland and Norway and Sweden and how you have free college up to PhD and even in countries like France you get money for every child you have every month. My belief is that these these uh, programs are able to happen because it's a homogenous society right you know in a homogenous society with mostly everybody looking alike speaking the same language we don't have these sort of barriers you know I'm not going to say we they don't have these sort of barriers around not wanting people to literally survive. Um, what do, you, what do you say to people who say that this dream we have of an America where everyone can go to the doctor when they need to without paying anything, where everyone has food on the table, everyone has a place to live? What do people say? What do you say to people who say that's just not realistic here? We haven't tried it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this nation was built on the opposite of that, right? There was never a plan to take care of the people. The plan was to come get rich uh, use chattel slavery to make a certain, to make black people less than and white people profit off of their, um, just them declaring that we're not human, right? Mm -hmm. So there was never any intent for there to be um, basic human rights met for black folks. And now what you're seeing is we're pushing back and we're challenging those ideas and we're asking for the current systems and institutions to, I mean, I use reimagine um, because people are comfortable with that word, but I, I think we need to start over, right? Mm -hmm. We need to deconstruct what is and construct something new. Um, so we have to try and we have to do it. And there has to be an, a, an awakening and a reckoning in America, or it, it's going to, it's not going to survive um, what is happening today. Mm -hmm. the, the people, won't survive, right? And um, there's too many of us that are unwilling to stand by and watch that happen. Um, so yeah, it's possible. Other countries are doing it and we've got to address um, the systemic issues and they're deep. They run deep and they cut deep and it's not going to be pretty, um, but we've got to start. We've got, we got to snatch the bandaid off and we've got to start digging, digging at that scab and um, doing it the right way. Dr. Brooks, you know, Debt Collective LA is a multiracial movement, right? And I think so often we're talking about 
Black folks are hit the hardest consistently by unemployment, by lack of housing, by student loan debt crisis. But what we know is that we do need a multiracial coalition of folks to push these issues over, right? Just as Black folks are harmed by the student loan debt crisis, so are low-income white folks, low-income Latinx folks, and low-income AAPI folks, right? What has been your experience in a multiracial debt collective LA movement and how can folks all around the country sort of uh, link arms around a common interest? So we're, it's all interconnected. The white folks that are joining, um, some of them have student loan debt, some of them do not. And they're mm -hmm. allies because they understand that, um, you know, this is also a, a capitalistic issue, right? Uh, and the further we fall behind, the more foot we lose footing. Um, so we have to hold our ground. Um, and so that's what you're seeing. And, and um, the Black folks, the Brown folks in LA, we're all coming together. And even though our struggles look different and our barriers look different, we understand that if one person wins, we all win. Um, and, and we look at the most marginalized in the communities and the most silenced and the most um, afflicted, who has violence afflicted upon um, at a greater rate right and we focus on those folks we focus on the black women we focus on the queer community we focus on the poor um and we direct efforts to ensure their safety and their well-being and then we understand that through that right when they are liberated and when they are free and when they have their needs met everybody's needs will be met right mm -hmm. and, and so that is what it looks like it looks like us coming together centering the most marginalized in the community um, recognizing our privilege, using that privilege to dismantle the systems. Uh, so I'm grateful. I, I, I love the, um, the folks that I have on my squad. <laughs> uh, the white folks, the brown folks, the um, APIs, like we, we go hard and that's what it's going to need. Um, that's what it's going to take um, nationwide. So I hope folks are watching. Thank you so much, Dr. Books. When they said, you know, talking to somebody, you know, who can you talk to for Women's History Month? I was like, oh, I have to talk to somebody from Debt Collective. Like the work you all are doing is just astounding. You know, Color of Change 100% supports, uh, you know, the elimination of student loan debt, Medicare for all, federal job guarantee. And it was such a, a pleasure and a blessing to talk to you. And I look forward to continuing to work with you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jade. I look forward to it too. And I appreciate Color of Change so much. Y'all are of awesome. Of course. Work. <laughs> <laughs> Have a great one.